Welcome to Private Equity Perspectives, a podcast by BDO USA's private equity practice. Each episode, BDO connects with leaders in the private equity space to discuss the latest trends driving deal activity, fund strategies, and portfolio company optimization. Hello, and welcome to another episode of BDO's Private Equity Perspectives podcast. I'm Todd Kenny, National Relationship Director with our private equity practice based in New York City. I'm thrilled to have two special guests here with me today to talk about digital transformation in the private equity space. First, we have Amir Akavan joining us from JEGI, where he is a managing director uh, advising tech, interactive data, and marketing services companies in M&A, divestitures, recaps, and capital raises. Gosh, you're a busy guy, Amir. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Next, I'd like to welcome Grant Marks, who's a principal and head of business development at Atlantic Street Capital. At Atlantic Street, Grant focuses on transaction sourcing for new platforms and add-ons, as well as the firm's various deal source partners. Grant, thanks for joining us, buddy. Yeah, man. Excellent. Uh, Amir, why don't we uh, have you kick things off by telling us uh, a little bit about JEGI and your role there? Sure. Great. Thank you, Todd. Uh, Amir Cavan here. Uh, I'm a partner at JGI. We're a 32-year-old investment bank uh, focusing on marketing services, information, media, and software. We're 60 professionals on the platform uh, across four offices, New York, London, Boston, and Sydney. And I've been part of uh, 15 years of that journey. Awesome. Grant, perhaps you could tell our listeners a bit about Atlantic Street and your role there. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Atlantic Street is a lower middle market private equity firm uh, that has been focused exclusively on partnering with the family and entrepreneurial community uh, across the U.S. and uh, and in Canada. And where we really differentiate ourselves is uh, we feel like we bring great operational value to um, our portfolio company partners uh, and really act as a service provider uh, to our uh, various investments and importantly, you know, one of the things that we offer uh, to our portfolio is um, a network of operating advisors that are dedicated to uh, helping support uh, critical back office functions. And, and obviously one of those uh, being uh, data analytics, business intelligence and, and general support. So relevant to what we're going to talk about. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's jump into our first topic. Amir. Uh, as I mentioned at JGI, uh, it's a it's a media and information focused firm. Um, perhaps you could give us some uh, some insights on on what are the uh, most exciting trends you're seeing right now in digital. Yeah, I mean one of the cool things we're seeing in digital as it applies to private equity investment investing is the recurring nature of the relationships that are being established between kind of vendors and and customers. Whereas um, you're, you're seeing companies who used to just do implementation services of digital and software technology and walk away. Now you're seeing you do the implementation and then you kind of do the management of those processes, the constant upgrading of those, and then, you know, pushing into other things like customer data management because there's so much data coming off of a digital experience or doing UX and UI building. It's just a a much more dynamic relationship and opportunities for uh, private equity firms to come in and establish a beachhead with a company that does, you know, one type of digital service and then add on a, a series of more 
you know, recurring uh, relationships. Yep, yep, very interesting. Agree with that. Um, uh, curious, really, to get both of your insights regarding uh, what are some of the greatest challenges and really opportunities for technology as it pertains to the PE sector this year. Grant, maybe you could uh, kick things off, and then I'll throw it over to Amir to chime in with his thoughts. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the low-hanging fruit, which is um, the biggest challenge in this world is, is really surrounding valuation. Uh, and valuation expectations continuing to creep up in the category as um, you know things move from less transactional, as Amir was describing, to more recurring-based services and, and people really paying a premium for business models uh, and anything that has uh, SaaS or ARR attached to it um, immediately gets a, a ton of private equity attention. Um, valuation is obviously driven by um, capital overhang from private equity firms and bigger firms coming down market and um, you know, record corporate profits driving uh, strategic acquisitions. But I think we're specifically in the lower middle market, you know, we play um, less relevant to kind of pure data analytics companies and technologies that are really hard for private equity firms to catch in the evolution from more venture oriented investing through to where they just, you know, scale to a point where it no longer makes sense for a lot of private equity firms. Um, but where there's opportunity to invest is, is businesses that have a great market position, a real franchise value, um, but are underinvested in their technology and where we can leverage technology to better improve, you know, basic back office functions. Sure. Sure. Amir, care to add your thoughts? Yeah, one of the things that we spend a lot of time with uh, the private equity community talking about is is kind of how do you play the technology trend, whether it's the point solution route, an enterprise play, a verticalized uh, solution. And what we're really seeing as an opportunity is firms that have a verticalized point of view in the marketplace and then going out and either putting together certain uh, solutions within that vertical um, or buying something bigger and then you know, building organically. So, for example, we're talking to firms around non-for-profit software or, or, or an auto vertical or a manufacturing workflow or retail content platforms as a service where you are managing the entire workflow uh, between manufacturers and retailers. There's just really interesting verticalizations occurring where it's a more effective way to play the software game and also – um, has a kind of a TAM that you can get your hands around um, and then and then build on. Great. Let's, let's transition into really kind of valuing uh, digital potential. And for that, the bottom line and top line growth that can be achieved through digitization and digitalization strategies. So, you know, there's an interesting stat from BDO's recent PE survey that 57% of PE firms say digital potential is very important to their investment decisions. I guess, Grant, I'll throw this one to you. Um, would you agree that uh, long-term digital potential uh, is increasingly important as part of your firm's decisions? I mean, the answer to this is definitely yes. It varies pretty widely by industry vertical um, and category that a firm generally is investing in. But I don't think any business into the future is going to be immune from the impact of general digitization and, and the globalization of the economy. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a meaningful part of our committee process to understand the digital strategy of a business, um, the operational improvement opportunity that we can bring beyond what's already been done at the company. Um, I think 
where there's potential to make mistakes, though, is actually an overvaluing digital potential into the future. And so one of the biggest questions that we ask, and we never take for granted at our investment committee, is um, we almost take a look-back approach where we say, you know, when it comes time for us to exit in three to five years down the line, will this company have a longer-term story to be able to tell uh, about how it's going to thrive with respect to its digital strategy into the future? Um, how will technology transform the, the profit pool of this business uh, over the long term? Um, and how can we kind of basically work our way backwards to take the steps today that's going to position the business um, for, for eventually that future and, and our exit? Right. Appreciate, appreciate the insight. Um, I think we've touched on a lot of good things, but uh, right now I'd like to switch gears momentarily uh, for the coffee break session of this podcast and introduce Kirsty Tiernan, who is a managing director in BDO's data analytics and automation practice. Let's hear her insights. implementing digital initiatives that can really ultimately lead to digital transformation in this space, uh, opportunity is, is really where the friction is. And when making acquisitions, private equity firms really need to do what we call their digital due diligence. And there will be questions around whether to integrate those companies' technologies or to keep them separate. And you really need to review what they have digitally, not just the technology and the software. Addressing questions like what data do they have that we can monetize or what systems do they have that will need to be integrated? Uh, what systems can you maybe get to talk to existing systems without doing an integration? Maybe an integration really isn't necessary if you have the automation in place that can then move the data from one system to another very quickly. For example, let's say you just purchased a firm that has you know, maybe 10 accounts payables clerks who are pulling invoices from emails. They then key them into the system, and then they push them into uh, out to the proper people for approval. Uh, what you can be doing instead is using bots to monitor that email inbox for those invoices coming through, and then use machine learning algorithms and optical character recognition, or OCR, to extract the data from those invoices and automatically instead push it to the right people for approvals. There are a ton of accounts payable systems that do that. But if you have a simple bot and machine learning algorithm that's custom to your, your situation that can automate this process, you may not need to integrate an entire AP system. So we've developed a lot of algorithms that some of our PE firms are using almost as a service. Uh, rather than the, the private equity firm having to build an algorithm in-house from scratch or develop and implement some large software tool, they ask us to build and deploy an algorithm that they can then subscribe to on a monthly basis. And that really results in taking some of that boring work off the shoulders of employees and freeing them up to do more meaningful tasks. And this raises another issue, one that is on the minds of a lot of employees when they hear their company is going digital. People are fearful of what that means. Are their jobs at stake? Are their jobs going to change? And as you start thinking about automation, rather than inviting employees to the table and saying, okay, explain your job to me. We want to automate it. We really want to frame it as an opportunity to upskill and grow them. So instead, consider positioning the shift differently and saying, we really want to give you the opportunity to do something that lines up with your career goals and your interests. And here's the training we're going to give you to do that. And oh, by the way, to help you move to that level, we're going to automate this process that you used to do. So coming to them with training opportunities and what's really going to replace that manual work 
That's a key part of upskilling employees to get to the adoption of digital technologies like this. And now these employees can learn to do what they now need to do, which is maybe reviewing exceptions, doing research, or just monitoring the bot that's doing the keying for them. A very simple example, uh, we recently had a client that had 10 people on their tax team who were working really late nights and weekends. And the tax director came to us and said his goal was to get them home more quickly so they could have dinner with their families. No more weekend work, no more being there till 7 p.m. And one of the tasks that we helped automate that for them was a regular update PowerPoint deck that they would create for the CFO monthly. Automating the creation of that deck reduced errors and allowed the employees to focus on doing tasks that were more value add. So those are just two considerations for the digital transformation of private equity. Of course, digital transformation is way more than just the adoption of new technologies. It's a tactic employed ideally within the infrastructure of a longer term strategy. And isolation, a, a digital project should deliver immediate ROI. You really want those quick hits to be able to prove the value, but achieving that transformation we're talking about requires a shift in mindset that really hinges on the adoption of those digital capabilities by the end users, which are the employees and the customers. Thanks for sharing, Kirsty. Really appreciate it. And now let's jump back to our conversation with Grant and Amir. So Kirsty has shared some of her insights on digital transformation, creating value in private equity. I'd like to hear both of your perspectives on the topic. Are you seeing more companies seeking deals and partnerships in order to secure the operational efficiencies and capital needed for digital transformation? I'll throw it to Amir first this time, and then we'll go to Grant. Yeah, I mean, I think we see in a tremendous uh, amount of opportunity for for, B2B, uh, for for private equity firms to invest in um, solutions and software that help drive digital transformation. We're working, for example, with one company right now. Um, they're a, a, a data-driven B2B uh, company that helps uh, software and technology companies ultimately do customer acquisition better and transform the way they go to market uh, around their digital channels, both from an account-based marketing standpoint and from an omni-channel uh, standpoint. And when you look at them, they started as a um, just a, a B2B data company. They then added a customer data platform because they needed to bring in all the various sources of unstructured data that, the, that their clients were touching, make sense of it, do some hygiene work off of it, dedupe it against the CRM to make sure that they understood who were their customers that they could actually go out and, 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 um, and, uh, and acquire uh, on behalf of their sales team. So that's a great example of, you know, point solution going one step further in the digital value chain and creating more products and solutions to more effectively help their end customers. And private equity is driving a lot of that kind of thinking as these customer companies get bigger and then ultimately end up at some of the larger um, technology and, and digital transformation companies out there. Interesting. Grant, as the as the PE guy on the podcast, what do you think? Yeah, it's funny. Amir took uh, a lot of the things that I was going to talk about us doing in our portfolio companies right out of my mouth. But um, given where we play, lower end of the middle market and family entrepreneur focused, um, it, it's really common for us to find partnership opportunities with that community that, you know, obviously a, a part of their goal is, is liquidity. Um, but a big part of it also is, you know, wanting to uh, better understand how to grow their business and how to leverage 
their data in order to do it. And it's just, uh, you know, categorically a space where they may not have been comfortable investing in the past or uh, adding resources to invest in the past. And so, um, you know, by way of example, we've worked with entrepreneurs on the exact same basis that Amir is describing, where, you know, we will take a set of unstructured data, you know, that they had been capturing, but not kind of realizing will help them clean it, will help them create a structure around it and a path to monetizing it and, um, you know, add business intelligence tools around it, um, all of which is to help create leverage for that business owner and allow the management teams and the employees to focus on the work that they should be focused on, which is, you know, building a differentiated product or service, creating real franchise value and, and selling to more customers and selling more to their existing customers. Makes a lot of sense. So I'm sure most of our listeners tuned in hoping to hear something about uh, our perspectives on artificial intelligence. Uh, So why don't we jump into that topic? Uh, A report by Intertrust says that over 90% of PE firms think that uh, by 2024, AI will really disrupt the industry. Uh, I guess for, for both of you, and we'll go to Amir first, does that statistic on AI technology surprise you at all? You know, I think because it's so topical, I'm not surprised to hear that. My question really is, are folks really understanding what AI is today and what the opportunity is? There's machine learning, which is all about automating processes that humans do on and, and creating more efficiencies in a process. And that's absolutely coming. It, it's, it's really ready for prime time now. And we're seeing business models accelerate because of that. Uh, whether it's you're walking into a McDonald's and you're interacting with a screen instead of a person um, and their ability to kind of show you the right offers. And that's really, you know, machine intelligence, true AI, where you're actually not having to train a system to make decisions. And those those decisions happen in in different forms based on prior behavior. That's really, really hard to do. And it's early days and the biggest tech companies, frankly, haven't figured it out. We think it's coming, um, but the question is kind of what is the ultimate impact and how is it going to be applied? And the fact that you still need human intelligence to drive a lot of the training that occurs, we think there's going to be hybrid for the next five years and then some real transformation from then on. Yeah. Grant? Uh, that's definitely right. I mean, we, so we own a, a bunch of retail businesses, right. but, um, you know, that's probably the most relevant setting, and it's not true AI, to your point, Amir. It's, it is kind of machine learning oriented, but there's a real problem in broad retail, you know, from QSR to uh, bank retail to fitness to you name the category, where um, it's high turnover workforce conflated by, um, you know, low employment level, low unemployment levels, uh, and, you um, uh, increasing minimum wage and um, just a, a prevalence of alternative that's creating, you know, in some cases, 150% churn of employee bases. And the, the thing that that does to our businesses is, you know, it, it, there's a cost of training, there's a cost of um, hiring, there's a, cro- a cost associated with it. And these are businesses in retail that already are typically operating at the margin. So I think that's probably going to be one of the first sectors that starts to see evolution into machine-oriented learning through digital signage products that displace 
All right, guys. Well, I appreciate that. Both uh, very interesting uh, perspectives on AI. Uh, for our last topic, Grant, I'm going to throw this one to you. Uh, we'd like to talk about overcoming digital challenges. Uh, according to BDO's uh, Middle Market Digital Transformation Survey in, in 2019, lack of skills or insufficient training is a top barrier to digital adoption. Um, so from your perspective, do you think this is an issue in private equity? And if so, how can it be overcome? Yeah, I think about it in two contexts. The, the first is how we look to overcome it at our portfolio companies. And then the second is how we look to uh, ourselves and how we try to overcome it as an investor and, and how we evolve our own model. Uh, I think the best way to do it in both contexts is to obviously provide uh, thorough training uh, up front. But I think the piece that's often overlooked is you have to create incentives that encourage technology adoption. Uh, and I think the best way to, to do that is to set, you know, operational benchmarks, you measure, you report against, um, but probably more importantly, it's to tie compensation uh, in some way, shape or form to utilizing and leveraging technology. And strategies like that are, are really gonna be a way to, to grow this in importance over time. Great. Well, I appreciate the uh, the insight, boys. We are at the end of a uh, another exciting podcast. So Amir uh, with JEGI, Grant with Atlantic Street Capital, BDO appreciates our relationships with both of you and your firm. So thank you much for uh, for joining us today. I know our, our listeners are going to uh, enjoy hearing all your insights. Appreciate you guys being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Pleasure. To our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review of the show on iTunes. Until next time, this is BDO's Private Equity Perspectives. The views presented by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of their respective firms. Thank you for listening to the Private Equity Perspectives podcast. For more information on how BDO supports private equity sponsors, funds, and their portfolio companies with a full spectrum of accounting, tax, and advisory services, please visit us at BDO.com. If you enjoyed the show, we hope you visit iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Join us next time for another edition of Private Equity Perspectives. Perspectives.